I want to give you a moment. <laughs> yes, breathe. So Robin comes to, she's serving in multiple roles this morning. Um, and so uh, she comes to read the scripture this morning. Just uh, what I've tried to do over these last few weeks is uh, we've explored what it means to be neighbor and what it means to be better together. Um, tried to find those kind of foundational pieces as we explore the library and what it can teach us today, these words out of Second Timothy, I, I think, are profound. So, Robin. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, Proclaim the message. Be persistent, whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. Holy wisdom, holy words. You can sit down right here at this point. Um, Robin and I have talked for, I don't know, a couple of weeks now about where I was trying to go with this. But before I begin to ask her questions, I, I want to re- remind us that every communion Sunday, every Sunday when we celebrate communion, I talk about who was gathered at that table that day and the diversity and... Zane is waving to me, sorry. I'll, I'll be right back. Give me one. Thank you. Okay. Um, and the diversity that, that is around us, and, and particularly around that table that day, of they came from different places. They had different attitudes. They, they were older and younger. They, they, were, they were just an amazing array uh, of representing that kind of region. I spent an hour in the library last week, and... What was astounding to me was I knew that I'd read this chapter in Putnam's book, but when you sit in the library for an hour with no other agenda but to watch and listen, it's remarkable what you find. Uh, people of all ages. Uh, I, two young folks coming from Tai E Middle School that I had coached, and, and they were sweating because they had just come from cross-country and yet then walked from Taiyi all the way to the library right here. And just how excited they were about cross-country and school, and then they came in, and it was as though their demeanor began to change just a little bit because they knew why they needed to be at the library, and they took it on. There were older folks. There were younger folks. There were a variety of folks. I heard at least 10 languages and maybe more maybe 12, uh, a diversity of people. that, that were, It was astounding to me 
And finally, I understood what Putnam was trying to say. That if you truly want to get to know your community, spend an hour at the library. Spend an hour at the library. And then he takes that on and says, what can we as a church learn from our neighbors? The neighborhood library. And so I asked Robin, a librarian, to come and and we're going to talk about that. But that's the question I want us all to have in the back of our minds. What can we, Aldersgate United Methodist Church, learn from basically our closest neighbor? A King County library that sits right here. So, Robin Price, I gave her nine questions to, to think about. And so, the first question was, tell us about the library, particularly in this time in history, how it's changed from the libraries of our youth. Um, when those of us who are my age were young, um, you went to the library because it was hard to find information. I know, for the younger people, I think that's just like crazy talk, right? Um, It was challenging because we did not have home computers. We only had stone tablets, and it was very sad. No, we we didn't have Google. We didn't have any of those. You know, we couldn't hop on our phone and look stuff up. We couldn't do that. So when you went to the library, it was because it was hard to find information, and a librarian's job, and when I actually started in the profession, this was still partly true, the librarian's job was to help you find the information you needed because it was hard to find. It was in books and in encyclopedias, and you had to dig it up, and sometimes you had to call another library that had a special resource and that sort of thing. Nowadays, as we're all aware, information is everywhere. I mean, it's just around us all the time. We're being bombarded by information. And so a librarian's job has kind of changed to having to help us figure out when it's good information, what information is reliable, whether we should send money to the nice man in Nigeria who insists on emailing us. You know, uh, but, <laughs> but seriously, it's, it's about helping people winnow out what they really need from the massive quantity of information that's out there. But in addition to that, libraries have kind of reinvented themselves. I mean, they've always been this way a little bit, but I think it's grown more so. We've kind of become the community's living room. And (laughs) it's not your living room like on an ordinary day. It's your living room at that really big Thanksgiving dinner where somebody brings their strange new girlfriend who has the weird habits, and and you got that uncle who talks really loud and insists on talking politics at the table, and you know, and the little kid who runs around and makes a big mess. And she's and, been at our Thanksgiving. <laughs> I, it's just, I, it's amazing. But, but that's what it is because it's you know everybody's invited. So we've become kind of the community living room. It's a safe place. It's about the only public building where you can come and you don't have to do something to be there. You're not waiting in line at the DMV. You don't have to spend any money. You can just come. You can use our meeting rooms for free. You can have all this free service. So a lot of people come there. And we we have the Jehovah's Witnesses have a table now. They come to the Auburn Library. They put up their sign. They're not allowed to proselytize. But they are allowed to be there, so they sit there with their little sign and they wait in case anybody wants to come up and ask them about being a Jehovah's Witness. And I'm seeing more and more people who come in who just, you know, they're there in case you want to find out what they're mm-hmm. up to. So. so that brings me to question number two about rules. Are there rules at the library? And if so, what are they? And why are they there? And what do they provide? Um, the libraries all have the same set of rules. It's the rules of conduct. And in fact, if you go into the library, walk up to any desk and say, I'd like to see your rules of conduct, they'll hand it to you. It's also on the website. 
Um, and a lot of it's the basic stuff. You can't be so disruptive as to disturb the other people. The goal is everybody finds what they need at the library. So if you are being very loud at the computer and this person next to you cannot work, we would have to come and tell you you needed to quiet down. If you were still very loud, we'd say, you know, you may have to leave for today if you can't be quiet. So um, there are a lot of things like that. What frustrates me is often people will sit in the library and endure something. And, and sit there and wait and wonder, why isn't the library doing anything about this crazy person next to me who's being really loud and disruptive and I can't work? And then on their way out, they'll tell us how outraged they are that they couldn't work in the library. Well, if they told us at first, we could have gone over because we do have rules. A lot of people think we don't have rules. We do. And in fact, I mean, we at the Auburn Library, we've dealt with gangs and we've dealt with drug abuse and we've dealt with people who have mental issues and we have had to rise occasionally to the occasion where if somebody is doing dangerous things and it's going to be a safety problem for our library we will have them banned or trespassed and they won't be allowed back in the library and we will get the police to enforce that and we'll do it for up to a year and then they can come back and we'll reevaluate but we we try to have very firm clear reasonable rules so that everyone feels welcome and safe at the library. It's a balance. Even personal hygiene. Oh, yeah. Um, it is in the rules of conduct still that if somebody is giving off a terribly strong odor, and it is so much so that it's distracting somebody, that we can ask them to leave. And I realize bathing is not something a lot of people have access to, and so it's it's a fine line. We, we try to be sensitive to all those needs. Um, if uh, What was the one I was... Went right out of my head. But, oh, food. Used to be you couldn't bring food in the library. We still get people who are a little outraged that we do allow food in the library, but not hot, smelly food. Again, if it's food that's going to make the guy next to you say, I cannot do my taxes while I'm smelling anchovy pizza. You know, no, that, that's not going to be allowed in the library. So it's, it's a balance. But, but again, the goal of all of our rules of conduct is to create a safe, open space. And, and we do a pretty good job of that, I think. Did, did you hear all that? The purpose of our role of, uh, of, of conduct is to create a safe place and that rules are okay. Mm -hmm. you don't oh, throw yeah. them out the window because you want to be welcoming. Um, let's talk about the, the particular populations that you see each week. Um, and so talk about Auburn a little bit. And, and because you live here as well, the, the difference in the populations that we would see here versus maybe down there. Um, up here, when I've gone into the Newport Library, and I know a lot of you, if you've gone to the Bellevue or the Newport Library, especially Newport, you're going to see a lot of families. You're going to see a lot of people who speak different languages, a lot of Asian language groups, a lot of Indian language groups. And they're coming to do homework. Uh, a lot of the families up here, certainly not all of them by any means, are a little more affluent. They have more facility with computers. We get a lot of Microsoft families up in this neck of the woods who know they, they're not coming in to use our computer because they've never used a computer before. Um, we also, if you go to Bellevue, you'll see it more strongly. We do get homeless folks who will use the library because, again, it's the one free space where you, you can Auburn. hang out. No, I mean Bellevue. Oh, Bellevue, Bellevue still. Main Library. Oh, okay, got it. Bellevue Sorry. Main Library. You go in there and you will see right. people who are in there. Um, used to be you couldn't sleep in the library. We had concerns that maybe somebody was ill if we couldn't wake them up, you know, that there was a, a danger there. They finally decided to allow sleeping in the library as long as you're only taking up one space. And a lot of folks wow. do come to the library because they can rest there and they can't anywhere else. At Auburn, we see a lot more of that. Um, socioeconomically, a lot of Auburn isn't doing quite as well as Bellevue, not quite as affluent. 
we have a lot of uh, other immigrant populations. We have a lot of Marshallese Islanders. We have a lot of um, uh, uh, Native Americans. We have a lot of Spanish speakers, Hispanic populations. Um, we do get some Asian populations, but not as much in Auburn. I, again, it just varies a lot from library to library. But we do all get those multi, multi-ethnic, diverse populations from all over the world. Um, and we also get every range socioeconomically. We get a lot of um, young teens who are homeless in Auburn, which just breaks my heart. That shouldn't... <laughs> it's obscene. It should not be allowed in the culture that we live in. But we've got homeless teens down there. And one story I told at the last service was we had a girl who was in there. She had a friend who was with her, and the friend was sleeping heavily because, again, it's a safe place to do that. Um, and our staff is wonderful down there. They develop relationships with the people who come in regularly, and especially the people who are on the desk a lot, which isn't me because I'm doing a lot of work with children and outreach in the schools. But the folks who are on the desk a lot just develop relationships with these people. So she knew this girl, and one of our staff members came up and said, how's it going today? How are you doing? And the girl said, I just want to thank you because when I'm out living rough on the street... There are all these other people that I have to be aware of, that are that I have to, you know, I have to be among them. So I have to be careful, and I have to watch what I do and what I say and where I am and who I'm with. And she said, when I come in here, I know you guys have my back. Those people aren't in here, so I can be in here and I can be safe. And this is a safe place for me. And that's powerful mm-hmm. that we can provide that. So what gives you energy in your work, and what drains energy from you in your work? Uh, a lot of what gives me energy in my work is sitting in the front row right over there, and I see some of it back there. I, I work mostly with, with kids. I'm a children's librarian, and I get a lot of energy from working with those kids. You can't do a story time and come out of it t- as tired as you went in because, I'm sorry, one hokey pokey and you're jazzed for the day. And my kid, the, 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 the people in our library, the kids, the families who get so excited when they see you, and so excited because there's a book and you can turn a page. You know, when you're three, things are exciting. And it's just a joy. It, it keeps me young and it keeps me revved up just all day long. So that's, that's probably the best part of what I do. I always tell the adult librarians, they have a great job too, but mine is the greatest in the world because my patrons are cuter. Amen. Um, describe what people are doing at the library, key elements that are offered there. Uh, big issue, the computers are big. A lot of use on the computers. In fact, when there's a power outage, you can watch. Everybody at the computer just walks out. That's, that's the only reason they're there. They need the computers. In Auburn, I see we, we see people, we do see people doing homework, the things that we all think of as the library, doing homework and that kind of stuff. We have a study zone. We have free tutoring after school. We'll see kids using that. Um, we have books in other languages. We'll see people using our Russian collection or our Korean collection or our Spanish collection. Um, the computers are a big thing, though, and a lot of our patrons that we're helping on the computers, we've got people in there who have never used a computer. And I know in this day and age, and especially for those of you who do work at Microsoft and stuff, that feels kind of weird to hear that there are still people out there. We get people who are coming in, they're required to upload a resume and navigate an employment site because they need a custodial position and they've never had to do that before. So we're helping them to navigate things. The food handler's job, you know, the guy who helps you at Taco Bell, they've got to take a food handler's test. It's all online now. So we help a lot of people navigate that. 
Um, people use it for games and for videos as well. But we also have people who come to my story times. We do a lot of programs. People will come to programs. I wish more people came to programs. There's nothing that's more of a downer than to have a really good program and not have people show up because they didn't know about it. But programs for all ages. We have programs to, for the GED to get kids help so that they can graduate and get their graduation diploma from high school. We have um, ESL classes that are highly popular. Um, talk time where people who speak other languages can just come in and practice their English together with a facilitator. Talk time is very popular, again, because we're serving all these different languages. Um, I mentioned last service, we have about 20 or 30 languages in our collection. You know, we have books in Korean and Vietnamese and Tagalog and a couple of different Indian dialects and a variety of languages. But I just discovered at the Auburn School District, they have 78 languages represented. And we don't, I mean, some of those languages, you can't find materials. We don't really have materials in Marshallese, which is the language of Marshallese Islanders. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, a lot of things we, we struggle with because we don't have that yet. I say yet because one always hopes that there will be mm -hmm. more down the road. Um, gosh, is that everything? Just, there's lots there's always lots. going on. And, and the people who come in who are just lonely and need to talk, you, you know, sometimes people will come, they, they don't really maybe have a reference question, they'll have a bunch of questions that aren't necessarily related, and you know they're just there because they need to talk to another human being. And we get some of those too. Um, talk about, okay, I, I, I called out David at first service. I did, buddy, I, I have to tell you, I did. Because of the email that you sent me, which was basically, and it was beautiful, it was a core, it was a great email that said, do you realize that Robin sees this as a ministry, as a calling? And, and there's no question, but all you have to do is listen to her for, you know, 20 seconds. And, and you know it's true. And I love the fact that you felt that and that it is. This is a witness. This is a testimony, if you will. And so how does what you do relate to what we do here? How do we, what we do relate to what happens next door? Well, I, you know, what I do in the library, I do see it as a calling. And I, I've just been given the greatest gift in the world that I can do something that I love so passionately. I never thought I'd be in sales, but this is an easy sell. I mean, I'm selling, this is free, this is access, this can make you a better person, this can improve your life. That's amazing. We do that here, too. I mean, we're selling something that is remarkable. It's free. And we will accept you, whoever you are. You can walk into this building and be a part of this. I think at the library, it's exciting. At the library, I must say, I can't be a Christian. I can't stand there. And I, I, when I'm behind the desk and someone comes up with a question, whatever that question is, I have to smile and take on their question as if it were my own and answer it to the best of my ability. And I have had people come up and ask for things where in some part of my brain I'm gritting my teeth and say, oh, you really want that? Oh, seriously? That's what you're... Oh, really? You're one of those people? Okay, well... <laughs> but God help me, it should never show up on my face because I, everybody needs to feel welcome to ask their questions and they shouldn't feel judged. And so I stand there and I take all those questions in and I find them what they're looking for no matter what I may think about it personally or what my feelings might be. And... Again, there's a part of that that we do here, mm -hmm. the idea that we will accept people from wherever they're coming from, even if we may not agree with everything they say or everything they do, um, that we're willing to welcome them in. And it's not always easy to do that, but it's important. Well, you said 
I'm not, I can't be a Christian there, but you are. I mean, oh, yeah. you, I mean, wholly and fully, you are a person of faith standing even behind that counter. And I, I will tell you, my friend, you exude that. I'm a, I'm a big, uh, they will know we are Christians by our love sort of person. I don't say it. I will never say it at work, certainly. I'd probably get fired if I started proselytizing at work. But, um, but I hope that my behavior is such that Christ would give me the thumbs up. Okay. I love that. I have a Jesus action figure in my <laughs> office. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's right, cool. okay. I, I have a li- Nancy Pearl librarian action figure. Oh, on do my you desk. really? Yeah, I do. Cool. She has shushing action. Oh, just. <laughs> we don't we don't do that much anymore, but Nancy still does. It's, it's really great. I'll come there just to see yeah, that. That's kind of awesome. Uh, how can we, as a church, build a stronger relationship with our closest neighbors? Um, honestly, I think we already do some great stuff for them. I don't know how many people in here are aware, but. Newport Library, you know, they have that little tiny meeting room. It's it's nice, but it's not huge. Whenever they do summer reading program and they have a big program, like a magician or a clown, and you know you're going to get huge audiences, they use a um, Friendship Hall. They'll come over and use our space, and it's great that we provide them that because it allows them to have these big programs that bring more kids in and allow more kids to get involved in summer reading. And, I, you know, I, I came here one day to do something else, and Alex Zerby was in there doing his thing. It was awesome. Um, but we provide them that. They use our parking lot. I know they do. <laughs> you know how hard it is to park over there across the street. And so it, having just having us as a place where they can expand their space when they need to expand their space is a great gift. Well, and I, I will say it's, it's so heartwarming to watch folks with their books or with their resources come over and sit at the picnic tables or on a sunny mm-hmm. day sit on oh, the yeah. grass or sit on the bank over here and just... I mean, we, we, we are so privileged to have this park where we have church. And yeah. the fact that there's a building comfort, I think, between that is also true. You've talked a lot about the community um, kind of within the library and the community with each other, and I really appreciate that. I just want to ask, is there anything else that you would want to talk about? Um, there was the one story I got. Our, our operations manager is a remarkable woman. One of the reasons I drive all the way to Auburn to work is that I feel like I do good work there, but I have fabulous management, the kind of management where you say, I've got a great idea, and they say, how can we help? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's wonderful what they do. And our operations manager, Jana, was telling me the other day, she said, you know, this used to be the part of the job I hated the most, but now it's become the part I like the most. And she described how sometimes we'll get someone who comes in, um, often someone who is maybe a little older, has, has gone to libraries their whole life and has seen the change in the population, and they'll come in angry because there are shopping carts parked out front. It's an eyesore. And there are homeless people in here. How, what is the library doing? To, you know, and there are noise in here, and there's food in here. And what is the library doing about all of this? And so our operation, they generally want to talk to a manager, and we you know, encourage that. If you ever have a complaint in the library, please let us know. We want to hear it. We really do. And she'll come out, and she'll explain. She'll say, well... The shopping carts are out there because these people have nowhere to put their stuff, and since we let people park in the parking lot, we will allow them to park in front of the building as long as they're not blocking the doors or the sidewalk. They have, you know, again, they have to abide by those rules and not not be in such a way that they're in the way. Um, She says, 
that she explains how we serve everyone, but that we do have rules of conduct. And if anybody is misbehaving in the library or doing anything dangerous or illegal or, or disrupting someone else's experience, that they will be talked to, and often they will be told to leave if it's a problem that cannot be fixed, that we have a police presence. We've got a great relationship with the Auburn police now, and they will sometimes come in and do shifts at the library where they just walk around in their uniform being there so people can feel safe so that if there are issues and concerns, if there's a patron who is so violent or so disturbed that they need to be banned from the library, the police will help us make sure that happens. And they will come and say, you know, you're, you're not supposed to be here, and they will escort them out. Um, and we've just started a pilot program at the Auburn Library. We have a social worker now who works for the library system. She's just started last week. In fact, the first day she was there, I had somebody come in that I could connect with her. But uh, it's because there are so many questions that come to the desk that we get this question, but what they really need is all of this. And we can't necessarily give them all of that. But if we have a social worker on staff that we can call out who can talk to them and connect them with services that we might not know about or, or make uh, connections with those services around town, uh, that's, that's really valuable. Oh, and one more thing. I was just there on Friday, and I, I tried to remind myself I wanted to mention it here. One of my colleagues had the brilliant idea about two years ago to start a community roundtable. Oh, yeah. And at the library now, the first Friday of every month, every social, everybody is invited, but uh, social advocacy groups, uh, DH, DSHS, mm -hmm. the, uh, the food bank, they, they send people, YMCA comes, sometimes local businesses will come. Uh, they'll come and share who they are and what they do, and we'll have a spotlight group that will talk about all the services they provide, and everybody's assiduously writing notes and trading cards because, oh, you provide, you can get people into housing, I need to talk to you. Or, oh, you work with, um, with environmental concerns, I need to talk to you. It's a place where groups can network. I have to say, there aren't any religious people in that group right now. And I keep meaning to invite the Methodist minister down there. I keep forgetting to do it when I'm in a place where I can actually... I've never been able to connect with him to do that. Um, we invited one group, and they just haven't been able to come for whatever reason. But I'd love to see... I'd love to see a religious presence at that meeting. I think it would be valuable. It would add another aspect of the, co of the community. And the more we can connect like that and trade ideas and know what each other is doing for the benefit of all. We do so many things here in this church, and I don't always know what all of those are. You know, going to Africa and doing amazing things, going to Thailand and doing amazing things, and then just going down the street and doing amazing things. And it's so good to have a place where we hear all of that and we know all of that. So. Now we had the privilege, and Dorothy will tell you too, that Michael Hirsch, who was at that time director of community services for the city of Auburn, was the associate pastor at Auburn First. And what Michael would often say is, if you, again, if you want to know where the services are, it's, you know, we try to shift this at that church, but it's the library. I mean, you can even vote in some libraries. I know Auburn has the Yeah, the we voting. get the voting box. Right. But, but so often, friends, we compare ourselves as churches to megachurches or to larger churches or to whatever the church may be when, when it's not healthy. The whole point of of what I'm trying to do here is say it's not about comparison. It's about learning. What can we learn from everything that Robin has just described? Uh, Christ is in the middle of that. What can we learn from these neighbors and what can we do to partner with these neighbors to do more and more and more outreach but also to resource 
and, and for ourselves, just to, to say there are things that we can learn that can help us be better people, even from this closest neighbor. So I, I just want to say thank you to Robin, who I just, I love spending time with her, because it's just, it's so positive and so upbeat and so wonderful. So can we say thank you to her for this as well? So...